2022-2022, a glorious year. God always crowns the head of the year, and we know that the crowning is for glory. The crowning is for his demonstration of bounty and goodness towards us and the world. And so we have a message today, Dominion Sonship. We have a message, and it is an unveiled face before God. An unveiled face before God. An unveiled face before God. And this is continuing where we have been. I believe the Holy Spirit has been opening the eyes of our understanding to recognize the power of the revealed word, that the word of God has inherent power. And I like that word inherent. Um, I think I had picked it up from the Amplified Translation in one of the verses that dealt with the word of God, that the word has inherent power to demonstrate himself through us to demonstrate himself through us. And so whenever we come to the word of God, we always come um, in, 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 in a moment of recognition that God has perfectly expressed himself in the word of God, that God has perfectly demonstrated his love through the word of God, and that the word of God is Jesus. And so we have now for a long, long season talked about Jesus being the word of God. And so now we are moving into a demonstration of who Jesus is through us. And that only comes by allowing the word to transform your mind, by you allowing this word to be incubated in you through meditation, through meditation. And I tell you, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest enemy to meditation is distraction. It's heads going there and there and there and hearts going astray. And, and there will always be movement around about us. Even this morning, just trying to locate something. There's always something that wants to just veer our head off, off. The, the word of God. And so it really, this is the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith is to persevere in the abiding of the word of God, to allow the word to cultivate the powerful mind of Christ, because the mind of Christ is to be expressed through you to the world. And that is the ultimate demonstration of the liberty of the sons of God. That is the ultimate demonstration of the love of God, is, is this transformation. It is this transformation that we as Christians undergo, this metamorphosis from glory to glory, that we are really putting away veils all the time. They're being shattered in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because only in Christ is the veil of doubt and unbelief and duality and, and torment and religiosity. Only in Christ is that removed. And so... The, the message today is an unveiled face before God. Last week we talked about face to face and we know that God is wide open. We looked in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 4, that we're in, in the very presence before God, that we are in Christ before God and that we looked at the word in his presence and that's pretty much we are in the eye of God, down in the eye of God. In the intimate, in the intimate sight and knowing of God. 
There's nothing veiling nor marring his vision of you and I today. We are wide open before him. So we recognize that the veil is never on God's side because we know what Jesus did when, when he was on the cross and breathed his last breath and said, it is finished. That veil was torn from top to bottom. The veil that held back, held us all back because of sin. But he took on the sin nature. He took it on. He became sin to destroy, to annihilate the power it had, the dominion it had over us. And so nothing now is holding us back from God. We in Christ are the redeemed. We in Christ are God's alone. And so when we talk about an unveiled face before God, it's really we're talking about our own, our own posture, our own sight of God, our own understanding, our own, our own uh, configuration of mind. What do we think about on a regular basis? Do we even think about God? Do we? Do we, do we even think that God is truly my provider? Do we really, really trust God? Do we, do we on a regular basis throughout the day just pause and give Him glory? Do, are you mindful of God in your life? Or has the work, 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 fear, 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 worry, worry, worry blinded you from the fact of your loving Father having provided every spiritual gift in the heavenly places for you? Why? Because they are unsullied there. No corruption. And you're right there in that heavenly place in Christ. To walk out, you've been endowed by the power of the Holy Ghost, really by dawning on the mind of Christ to walk out the full inheritance. And even when I speak these words and when I do these messages, I know it's coming from my own, my own heart yearning to walk out that which I know he's given to me. And sometimes it feels a very singular walk because it's supposed to be. You are receiving from God. And there is a singleness in that walk. And it's always away from the clamor, although oftentimes you're right in the middle of a, a, a clamorous moment. But when you're walking this walk of faith, Living out this life of God on earth. Opposition is part of the portion. And you know why? Because it is meant to work for you. A far greater weight of glory. Because that is how you realize that there's nothing in the world that satisfies. That the world is full of corruption. The life is only found in God. And so now you start pressing in this word. You start coming back to the truth of the reality of your salvation. Because oftentimes we tend to exhaust everything that's in the world until it dawns right. No answer in the world. Let's go back to the word. And so we're coming into the word more speedily now. We're more eager to embrace the word now. If he be for me, who can be against me? 
And so an unveiled face before God is really endeavoring to, to, to walk a life fully wide open to God. The way God is wide open to us, with no restriction, with no hold back, that we are to live the same life. And I'll tell you what it looks like, a life that honors God. And a life that honors God is a life that is submitted to the Word of God. It is a life that has allowed the Word to shape an honor of a reverence towards the one true God. Because whether we know it or don't know it, all of us will give an account. And so let's go now to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. An unveiled face before God. Chapter 3 and um, verse 3. Clearly you are, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us Written not with ink, it's not in your head, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, and he qualifies it. That is of the heart. And so the Word of God is to fit into our heart. That's why faith is of what? The heart. With the heart, man believes unto salvation and moves the mouth to declare righteousness. And so the matter of the heart is of utmost importance to us and to God. And they're, the only veiling, really, that, that we are talking about at this moment is, is, the, is, 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 is the veiling that's around our heart that looks like doubt and unbelief. That looks like fear and torment that really has no right to us because in Christ we are fully unveiled to God. Wide open. Just as Adam and Eve were naked and were not ashamed. They were naked and they were not ashamed. What does it look like to be wide open, so to say, naked before God and be not ashamed? It is a revelation of the power of the blood of Christ that has, that has purged your, your evil conscience, that has cleaned your mind, that has renewed your heart, that has made you a brand new creation, and that you are now found in Him in love forevermore to be, be, be beyond, beyond the shadow of approach, to be blameless and holy and pure in His sight. That revelation is what we're talking about, and that is the epinosis. That is, that is this knowing that comes from a direct interaction with the source is this intimate relationship with the living God who is love and love becomes you and love transforms you and love comes through you now because you have bowed the knee to the one and only God by 
heeding his words. And so, and so we recognize here that we are now a living epistle, that we are written for all men to read the love story of God, that God so loved the world, that we be the John 3.16 that people read. Thank God for the banners, but how about the banner of my life? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes shall be saved. And this, this living epistle is of the heart. And so we are to be unveiled before God, a heart that is fully persuaded by the word of God, that he indeed loves me. So let's continue from there. For example, verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. It's no longer you and I who lives. And, you know, I keep saying the Colossians uh, 2, it's no longer I. Or is it Galatians, sorry. But it's Christ in me. Christ in me, who lives this divine life. And that's why our trust is, is through Christ toward God. We don't have sufficiency of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant. We are of the spirit that gives life. We are of Christ, the resurrector of the dead. We are of the living and not of the dead. We are now no longer just a, a, a living spirit, but we have now in Christ and through Christ become what? A life-giving spirit. And that which I'm communicating to you, it is through this, this transformation of a mind that has been renewed by allowing the word to just permeate my thought and permeate my understanding. And oftentimes it has come out of a total desperation on my life to only see life. In the crucible of the intensity of the moment and the chaos of the situation, I have had to make a choice to only see love. And that is what the fight of faith is. It is a tenacity not to cower to an adverse moment. It is a tenacity to persevere through a very difficult situation. When it seems no one's for you, what it seems, what it seems that you yourself don't want to go on. But you know one thing, if God be for you, who can be against you, right? And that we are now ministers of a brand new covenant. We are ministers of a brand new, what joy there is in our salvation. How can we be down? How can we be overcome when we have this, this instrument, this faith work within us that has already overcome the world? And this is the victory, even our faith. We're ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What we have been talking about, this revelation gnosis, knowledge is epinosis, is, is of the Holy Spirit. 
This is how the words of Jesus are disclosed to us through the Holy Spirit. It's a dawning of light in our heart that is bringing it is actually, if we go to chapter 4, verse 6, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So let's then go to verse 8 in chapter 3 regarding the ministry of the Spirit that is way more glorious. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious than the ministry of death that he refers to regarding the old covenant in verse 7? But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit, and we are now ministers of the Spirit, enabled by the Spirit to walk in this more glorious ministry, so then, um, because, because in verse 11, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. And we know what remains. Faith, hope, and love. This is our new covenant. The very love of God. That we now have what? A living hope that is stirring up this divine living faith within us, the very faith of the Son of God. Then go to verse 14 regarding how there are blinders on the Israelites even to this day while Moses is read, while the law is read in verse 14. But their minds were blinded for until this day the same veil remains and lifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Why? Because the veil is taken away in Christ. The veil is taken away in Christ. And that's why the revelation of the Christ life within us, that is the ultimate unveiling. That's when you know it's no longer you, but Christ in you. That, that is fully being unveiled before God. It's like what he said in Ephesians 1, 4, that we are now before him in Christ. Wide open. But even to this day, when Moses read the veil, the veil lies on their heart. You see, where does the veil lie on? On their heart. Because it's with their heart that they refuse to believe. They refused to allow their heart to be persuaded by God. Stubborn nature. Flesh is stubborn. Stubbornness. No, I'm not going to, no, no. No, I know better. No, don't, no, back off. No, stubbornness. And we, we, we see the entire Old Testament marked, marked with their doubt and unbelief of this veil that they had allowed on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, today we're turning to the Lord, 
The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, this is my title, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. Why with unveiled face? Because all in Christ the veil is taken. And so do you need clarity? Come back to the word that tells you who you are, that, that you are a new creation, that you're the loved of God, that you're an offspring of God, that if God before you, who can be against you? That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you and is quickening your mortal body, that you're now an heir and co-heir with Christ, that you are of the seed of Christ. We all with unveiled face beholding us in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What this is communicating to me is that if it, the transformation happens when we're beholding Him unveiled, when we have our heart wide open to God, that when we, with our heart drawn nigh unto God, only then is He drawing nigh unto us. But if we cower and hide and pretend and pretend and pretend and pretend and put another veil and yet another veil and another veil and, and play this game of a masquerade, and then we cover it even again with another layer with God knows my heart. Then there is no transformation happening. Time to get honest. Time to become honest before God. To unveil. To be wide open. He knows it all already. We read last week, we are in the very eye of God. Down in the eye. The very presence of the living God. And so we're all about a transformation. We want to be transformed from glory to glory because that is where the demonstration of sonship is being revealed to the world. It's not that you call no man, you can persuade another to trust Jesus. <laughs> you are a living epistle that is written how? By the Spirit. And so the Spirit through you will communicate to their heart who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Because we want to be conformed to His image, the image of sonship. And so then we continue in chapter 4, Therefore, since we have this ministry, this ministry of the new covenant, this ministry of the Spirit, this ministry of the Spirit that gives life, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart today. Don't lose heart today. But we have renounced, we have renounced, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Oh, the veils, we have renounced them. No walking in craftness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. We're not pretenders. We're not pretenders. We're not deceivers. That with our mouth, we're really close to God, but our hearts are far off. It says, but by manifestation of the truth, 
commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. How does he blind? Through cares, deceitfulness of riches, the choke the word of God. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bond servants, for Jesus' sake. And that's when we, we, what we read in verse 6, that it was God who shone out of darkness into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's go to, let's go to James. I mentioned James last week and this week. So we look at that verse in James 4. James 4, we start the tail end of 4. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That's how we're blinded and the veils come on, is desiring a friendship with the world. It's desiring the companionship of the world. It's craving. It is craving an accolade. It is craving attention. It is um, full of the lust of the eyes, the flesh, and the pride of life. And we have nothing to do with that. We're not to be engaged in the affairs of the world because we're good soldiers of Christ. We have one gaze. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. We have one way, and that's running the race of faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so James writes that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Makes himself an enemy of God. And I think that's one of the reasons why in the Old Testament, God commanded them through Moses not to intermarry and through Joshua, not to intermarry with the others. Because it's pollution to them. Wanting to be a friend of the world makes him an enemy of God. And that's how these veils come. And then we wonder, where is God? God's right there. It's kind of, where is your heart? Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit, this is, this is, I've meditated this over and over. The spirit who dwells in us. Can you pass me your new living? The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. What do you think the scripture mean when they, the scriptures, yeah. What, what, what do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? That the spirit that God has placed within us is filled with envy. And that spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, is jealously yearning for us, for all of our attention, for all of our gaze, for all of our affection, full heart toward God. 
because he's poured where? In our hearts. And so he's yearning for all of our hearts to be fully unveiled before God, for this oneness with God. Just as the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one, we in Christ are one in that reality. Nothing separating us. And so the Spirit has been placed in our hearts as a deposit to enable us to walk out the full inheritance of this oneness that we have with God in Christ. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Therefore, submit to God. How do you submit to God? Read the Word. Allow the Holy Spirit to open up the Word to you. Open your heart to receive understanding. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You see, when you've submitted to the Word, the Word now has this divine power. That's the sword. To separate to separate what is spirit and what is soul, to separate and to bring about the intentionality of your heart to discern your motives so you can make the right adjustment to honor and serve God alone. And so resist the devil is how we resist him, by serving God alone, by submitting to God alone. And Satan, the devil, will flee from us. He is a fleeing foe. And verse 8, draw near to God. You see the order Make a decision that you want to be a friend of God. That you depart from the ways of the world. That you don't go to the world for an information intake. That you don't receive a reality check from the world. That you don't go to the world for satisfaction. It is the most dissatisfying experience. It might have pleasure for just a moment. But the end of it is very satisfying. Actually, the Bible says it's, it's deadly. The wages of sin is death. And so, so then, become in tune with the Holy Spirit. That he is earning jealously for your attention, calling you. Come closer, child. Come closer, child. Because he gives grace to the one that humbles. But resist the proud. And because now we can submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from us. And draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. How do you purify your mind? By allowing the word to conform you. By submitting to the word to transform you by receiving this revelation knowledge to enlighten you so you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. We're coming, we're coming around to where I wanted to go even last week. 1 Corinthians 13, 9. Actually, Let's go to 11. Yeah, kind of meditating which way to lay it out. So I'll look up the, the Strongs as well. 
All right, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. I want to read this in the Strong's Concordance. Now we see but a dim reflection as in a mirror, then face to face, then face to face. Now I know that word is gnosko, that is, that is a revelatory knowledge, but it's not one that has been fully developed yet. It is an application knowledge, but the more we walk out the truth of the word, we're becoming transformed into a greater understanding of application knowledge, which is the epinosis. So this is, this is gnosis. This is nosco. I know in part, then I shall know fully. This is the epinosis. This is the full knowledge that I read last week. The New American Standard translates it. True knowledge, real knowledge, absolute knowledge. Then I shall know fully, even, even, this is the key, even as I'm fully known. Even as I'm fully known, and that word is again epinosis, that with, with the same root, the, the Strong's. 1921. What does this mean? What does this mean? This word, epinosis, that we have been looking after, in, of course, we looked at it as a noun. Here it's used as a verb to be known, to know. And, um, it, it I mean, I'll read it from the Strong's. To know through personal relationship, properly experiential knowing through direct relationship, this knowing builds on epi, upon the verbal idea, and hence is defined by the individual context. So it's very context-specific. You, you know what to do in each particular area of your life. So then um, looking at the use of it here in 1 Corinthians Believers, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 in particular, believers then will personally know the Lord throughout the eons. I'm reading from the Strong's explanation. Believers then will personally and aptly know the Lord throughout the eons of eternity in keeping with the extent they allowed him to personally know them here on earth. It is even as you've allowed him to know you. Let's read again that verse. For now we see in the mirror dimly. Remember, we were, what did we just read? Paul writing to, to the Corinthians as well, that we beholding him is as in the mirror, right? And as we're beholding him, we're undergoing what? A transformation. So with each level of transformation, we are 
recognizing that we got to see him more clearer and more clearer and more clearer, right? Because the blinders are coming off of us. How are the blinders coming off of us? By allowing the word, this light, to come and shine in our hearts that we just also read in Paul to the Corinthians as well, that we're allowing the, the dawning of this light to shine out of darkness and to, 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 to equip us to see him clearer. And as we see him more clearer, we are becoming what? Transformed into what? His image, fuller in his image. But it is as we allow him to know us. How do we allow him? To know us. By allowing the word to search us. By allowing his spirit to earnestly call upon us and to cultivate a heart of honor towards God. To walk upright honestly like what he spoke to James. What did he say? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Double-minded. God's going to do it. God's not going to do it. God said he changed his mind. He said something else. Well, God said last year this. Well, now it's a new year, so you know what? Let's see what God's going to say this year. Foolishness. What God has said is what God has said, and it's unchanging. It is forever. He says to by two immutable things in Hebrews. He swore a note by himself. He doesn't shift and change as a shadow. Noonday, no shadow. One o'clock shadow. Five o'clock shadow. No shadow of turning with our God. Has God said, well, it will be exactly as he has said. And so going back to this verse, going back to this verse, we're really building a case to trust God more. We well, you know, talking about the Word of God, talking about revelation knowledge, epinosis of this higher knowledge. We read, we read, started off the series three weeks ago from a devotion I had printed some time ago on epinosis, the highest kind of knowledge. It's a knowledge that you participate in. It's a knowledge where you fully engage with the Holy Ghost and you don't ever say, well, you know what? God's sovereign and so because he's sovereign, I get to do absolutely nothing. God's got it. I can be lazy. I can flesh out. I'm not accountable. I can, I can be a friend to the world because God gets me. I, I, I'm just, I'm just waiting until Jesus trumpet, uh, sounds or if I go by the way of the grave, I'm going to go to heaven. Oh, really? That's not what God says. Yes, he is sovereign. And yes, he's made up his mind. But the way he's made up his mind is to use you on earth. That we are now the light of the world. That we are to so shine our light so all men might see him in us. And, and, and this is the epinos, it's knowledge with participation. Revelation knowledge that comes to you through your participation in that knowledge. And through epidosis, you understand how to apply the knowledge you have received, the Nosco. The, the Nosco that we just read here in this, in this, um, I've got so many apps opened up here. That now we know in part, that is Nosco, now we know in part, then I show fully, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. Then I will know 
fully epinosis, even as I'm fully known, even as I'm fully yielded to God. Yield to God today. Unveil your heart to God today. Through epinosis, you understand how to apply the knowledge you've received and the power behind that revelation. It is the highest kind of revelation knowledge. It comes to you through meditation, the meditation of the Word of God. Don't go into la la land, sit quietly, someone going hum, 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 hum. No, no, not that kind of meditation. The meditation of the Word of God. For example, we can go to 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love, I'm before him in love. I'm before him in love. Love never fails. If I'm before him in love, he will never fail me. And I will not fail because I'm before him in love. And you allow, you allow the word to consume you. Where are you? I'm in love. Before him. And love never fails. Love never fails. Desi, love never fails. God said, love never fails. Desi, love never, don't worry, Desi, love never fails. And you talk, and you calm yourself, and you walk yourself through the moment. It's actually the Holy Ghost walking you through the moment. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. But this, the Strong's is, even as I'm fully known, and I want to finish the Strong's explanation, the word study of this. So we go back to, the believers would personally and aptly know the Lord throughout the eons of eternity, in keeping with the extent, katos, according to, keeping to the extent that they allowed him, it's according as I'm known, just as I'm known, that they allowed him to personally and aptly know them here on earth, to allow him, God, to know us. So then the, the word been known is the passive form of 1921, Epinoscos, um, indicating that the level, indicating that the level will experientially know and enjoy God in eternity will match, will match the level we were known by Him in this life. Indicating that the level we will experientially know and enjoy God in eternity will match the level we were known by Him in this life. Live life wide open to God. The nosco that is used once in this verse, to know in part, it's used once in this verse, and, and the, and the word 1921, is used twice. Both uses of 1921, epinosco work in conjunction with the Greek word katos, which is 2531, to the extent over here just as in my New King James. They work in conjunction with this word. The appropriate knowledge matches the envisioned contact, which is first-hand knowing, meaning to a degree that you yield to God. It's the degree that you're known by God and that you walk out in this higher knowledge. That's why in James 
He says, draw nigh to me. You make the first move. He's already done it all. But it's your moment to make a move now. And that move is towards God. That move is, is another layer of unveiling before God, which is called pure trust. Pure trust looks like a heart that is wide open to God. And there's no shame in pure trust. As a child, you trust your heavenly Father. Amen. We are done. Glory be to God.